Welcome to the Up The Cream podcast episode 8. I'm Dan Tomlinson and I'm joined as always by Rich Harrison aka Pommy. Rich, how are you doing pal? I'm very well mate, and you? Yeah, good thank you. Um, spot on, Lefty, one of the only three teams remaining in the Super League that are unbeaten. Best start to the season <clears throat> since 2009 with a 2014 win over Wakefield on th- Friday evening. So yeah, pretty good, not bad. Not bad at all, although we, we can't compare it too much to 2009 because that season we ended up third from bottom. <laughs> we had a great start and then did nothing else. Yeah, so, I had yeah. a look but, at that. Um, and yeah. the first five games we won, Chris Thorman yeah. was absolutely on fire. We beat teams like Wigan, we went down to the South yeah. Wales and beat Celtic Crusaders, we beat Bradford, beat Uddersfield, beat Catalans. And yeah, the rest of the season was a little bit you know, left to be desired, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, who was the coach back then, 2009? Would it have been Agar? Yeah, your pal Richard Agar, yeah, you, you're a big fan of him, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I rest my case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, we, we were terrible, though. <laughs> we were an absolute basket case off the field, too, yeah. though, weren't we? I mean, you think... Yeah, absolutely. Under, yeah, with James Rule. And, yeah, Kath yeah. Everington. Um, yeah. Yeah, the Stuart Raiden was incident, that, the drugs. Was that the season? Was, was 2009 the season with all that crap with Gleeson as well? Gleeson was 2011, but it's still the same people. Right. You know, it was still talking yeah, to yeah. Richard Agars, you, you know, your James Rolls, your yeah. Kath Everingtons. I think it was the year we tried to sign Stuart Reardon, though. Right, yes. Um, yeah, and he agreed yeah. to come and then changed his mind and then agreed to come and changed his mind. And, yeah, so it was like a whole FC player for like two hours, I think. Yes. <laughs> so, like, signed on the dotted line, announced, great, okay, next minute, oh, no, he's not coming now, don't want to come. <laughs> Do you know what? I mean, before we get started, I remember that happened with Scott Gale. The um, he, he, no, it's not Scott Gale. Sorry. Oh bloody hell! What's he called? Um, oh, Welsh rugby union um, player Scott. Oh, it will come to me. Um, and he ended up at he ended up at St Helens. But two years before he was at St Helens, we tried to sign him, and he'd agreed on the phone to, to sign. We drove down to, I think that they'd arranged to meet at some motorway service station halfway between all and Wales. Uh, Scott Gibbs, Scott Gibbs it was. And um, we got there and he didn't turn up. <laughs> he changed his mind and drove back to Wales. Yeah, that just <laughs> stinks of mismanagement, doesn't it? And it sort of... Um... Yeah. Goes into the you know the hymn sheet of the current Hull FC hierarchy. Who seem to be getting things right now with recruitment, mm. retainment, and where we are as a club. <laughs> I always uh, remember James Clark telling me that when he first came to the club, the club didn't even have a working computer. Yes. And now, yeah. obviously, we have uh, a lot more. I always think of that Simpsons image with uh, Ralph Wiggum when they get the computer yes. in and Jill's trying to sell him. He's like, "I'm learning." That's like Hull FC <laughs> back then, but yeah, yeah much better. Oh, it's a much better club now, uh, much stronger club, and obviously one of the big boys of Super League uh, off the field. So obviously the challenge now is to match that on the field. And so far, so good. Uh, Defence again was the cornerstone of the victory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we look very, very solid, don't we? Um, I mean, and even when we do a, a try, and you can see how disappointed they are with it, you know. And it was a that was a close game again this weekend, and. Um, and you know it could have it could have been a potential banana skin for us because Wakefield aren't far away from putting a, a result together. Um, you can see that, and, and you could see how disappointed Chris Chester was after the match because he knew that one was there for the taking. I think uh, we were probably closer than most people uh, appreciate to uh, to losing that one. I think, but um, at the end of the day, 
we just went through our gears again, didn't we? And um, and did enough. So I think, I think you said kind of mission accomplished, job done. Um, and, and that's the attitude I think we've got to take from that one. Yeah, the thing is with Wakefield, especially with their five ex-Hull players, I know Jacob Miller didn't play, but they still had Joe Westerman, yeah. Joe Rundle, Jay Pitts, Chris Green, Reece Lynn. They always come back yeah. to Hull with a you know a bit between the teeth. They always want to prove a point. Yeah. I mean, Chris Green, I thought, was immense. Joe Westerman obviously yeah, got yeah, the scar man yeah. of the match. Um, Reece Lynn had some moments as well on that right edge. And yeah. They, yeah. They're a weird club, aren't they? Because you know, the, obviously their fans right now are not happy with Chris Chester and they all want him out. And... Obviously, they've lost every game so far this year. But you think back uh, uh, against Wigan a couple of weeks ago, I think the scores were level yeah. at half-time before Wigan raced away. So, obviously, they put you know and they gave Ola you know really pushed all you know this time round. So they they are a, yeah. they're a strange club. They have got you know a little bit of uh, tenacity about them, and they are hard to beat sometimes. And you know we've had some mm. really close games with them recently. I think we touched on the Golden Point win last year, but we only beat them by three points in that you know the neutral venue of St Helens last yeah. year as well. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. They're, they're a dogged outfit and they had a lot of ball and Hull had to defend a lot. Some of that was through their own making with uh, some poor, poor ball retention. There's a few errors that crept in the game, but the set restarts as well, which again, a lot of bollocks for me. But Wakefield got a lot of you know favouritism in that aspect of the game, in my opinion. They got a, they were allowed to get a roll on a little bit and they had a lot of ball. Well, they, they, run, they, they won the, the wrestle, didn't they? Um, a lot of the times when they were going down... Um, in the tackle, they were hitting hands and knees. So they were trying to get a quick play of the ball and Hull were trying to slow them down because obviously that's what the name of the game is these days, is quick play of the balls equals, you know, um, equals field position and, and then chances to score. So, you know, Hull were trying to slow them down and, and that's why you were getting a lot of the six against, I thought. I thought they, they were very, very strong in the wrestle and in the tackle. They, they were landing properly and trying to get quick play the ball. So I think that's where it came from. From from what I understand as well, Wakefield are very, very close to signing um, Andrew Fafita from um, from Cronulla. So it's almost a deal done, I think. Cronulla are keen to get him off the salary cap this year. They want him gone. Um, with a new coach coming in and everything, he's surplus to requirements. And I think the only team that really wants him in England is, is Wakefield because they want to reunite him with his brother. And f- from what I understand, Wakefield, didn't they release a player last week? Uh, and obviously he's played, didn't he go to Halifax? Is it Tang, Tang, Adam Tangata or something? Yeah, Tangata. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been him, he's yeah. gone to he's gone to Halifax. So now they've got a place on the um, on the overseas spot as well on the quarter. So um, I reckon he's um, Andrew Fafita's incoming any time. Right, that's in, yeah, interesting. That obviously bolster their forward pack, but yeah, mm. that's that's fair. I mean, they did throw a lot at Hull. Um, but I suppose that is testament to the obviously the Hull FC defence that Wakefield's three tries, you know. Obviously, the kick from Ryan Hampshire to James Batchelor, you know, that was obviously perfectly crafted and fair play to him. But the other two was an interception, which is obviously frustrating on a whole yeah. point of view. And the freak try from the uh, Mark Sneed charge down with Mason Lino on the deck and being able to get up and, you know, and run and obviously mm. score that try after Crowther charged it down. So, they, they, you know, two freak tries there. And for Hull to actually. Keep them out again. Showed showed a lot of resilience. The scramble when under the cosh was good, but there's all there was also yeah. an authority about Hull's defence. You know, Wakefield, despite all that possession, all that territory, they didn't really look like scoring. They didn't look capable of punching no. holes in in Hull's line. And from that point of view, I'm really pleased with the Hull performance. You know, defensively, we have we have been outstanding so far this year. Yeah, you know what? I I thought Brad Fash had his best game for twelve months. I thought he was immense. 
I really did. I thought uh, he was unlucky not to get man of the match. I thought he was everywhere. Um, Brad Fashwood and, and I watched the game twice. I watched it four o'clock in the morning after sleep, and then watched it again about ten o'clock in the morning when I'd woken up, had a couple of coffees, and, <laughs> and I thought Fash had a, had a had a fantastic game actually. Yeah, he's been really good, hasn't he? Ever since he's come into the team, to be fair to him. Uh, obviously, yeah. Josh Burnham got the head knock against Huddersfield in the opener. Brad Fash came in round two, and he hasn't looked yeah. back. He's well worth his place in the team. Looks like that's going to be an extended run two with what happened to Josh Burden. He hyper-extended yeah, his elbow. He's, he's Josh. How unlucky. Well, that was friendly yeah. fire as well. It was Andre Cifelio that did yeah. it. Cifelio, yeah. And he put a pick on his Insta, yeah. and the swelling is horrible. Real, you know, really bad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wish Josh well, but obviously that'll give Brad Fash, you'd like to think, uh, an extended run in the team right now. And, and the way he's playing, you're absolutely bang on, you know, nail on the head there. He's been superb so far this year. And, but we know what we get from Brad Fash, don't we? Never takes a bag, backward step. He's usually error free, solid in the tackle. And he gives absolutely everything, mm. you know, puts every ounce of energy into everything he does. Yeah, Brown will be back next week as well, won't he? And uh, should be back, shouldn't he? Yeah, that's an option, yeah. Obviously, he's completed his one match yeah. suspension, yeah. Yeah. One match, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but I mean, we've got a we've got a bit of a run now, haven't we? We've got Wigan and uh, Wigan twice, haven't we? Actually, and then uh, and Catalans Catalans Leeds Saints, is it? Yeah, or something, Leeds yeah, something like a, that. Yeah, yeah it's a, we've got a bit of a run coming up that we're going to need um, everybody on the pitch, and hopefully um, Reynolds isn't far away as well because Sneed was on one leg. Yeah. Um, in my opinion. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Um, I think that should. A little bit in the attack as well. I think we we're a bit laboured yeah. in attack. It wasn't great. I say the ball retention, a few errors in our own half, which were a bit frustrating after you've defended your line so well. But then luckily we had the yeah. you know, the strength about us to go and defend our line again. But yeah, Sneed is obviously playing on one leg. Like you say, his dead leg. It's obviously more serious than we thought. And with Josh Reynolds out, he's obviously had to you know put his hand up, maybe yeah. have a jab or two and carry on playing. So fair play to Sneed yeah. on that front. And... You know, while we talked about Mark Sneed, the 17 out of 17 conversions this year, and you think yeah. how, how tough the conversion was after Adam Swift scored as well. That was, you know, huge, yes. huge to nail that and get the two-score lead again. And, you know, ultimately yeah, especially that... if he's got a dodgy leg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. put him off drop goal, for the, drop goal duty for the foreseeable future. But, you know, off the tee, in two close games, my head as well, because there was one against Warrington where he bellied it off the touchline as well. And... Yeah, you know they're, they're huge kicks, and it, it sounds again, it sounds simple, and it's a little aspect of the game. But when it's a tight, you know, tight arm wrestle against yeah. a good opponent, you need them points. And you know, Sneed's obviously as reliable as any. Yeah, and I thought I thought McNamara had a decent game as well. Um, put himself about in defence, um, and they obviously targeted him in defence, especially on our goal line defence. They were going his way more often than not. But I thought he did very well, and and that lovely little the delayed pass for um, Savellio to score the first try. That was um, that was a peach. That that was a real peach. Yeah, it was. He's a tidy young player, isn't he, Ben McNamara? Mm. Like you say, his attitude's bob on, and he's 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 learning. He's adapting, he's grown into that role as well. And obviously the experience to actually get him playing now at the start of the season, you know, should hold yeah. need to rely on him later in the season. Obviously with no reserves as well, that's that's going to be massive. And I think he's already yeah. played seven games, so fair play. Totally, yeah. And people forget, I mean, his dad made his debut. I mean, this is how old I am. I remember his dad debuting. And that's, that's geez, that makes me ancient. But when his dad debuted as a 17-year-old, I think, 17, 18-year-old, he debuted, um, I think it was in the Charity Shield, 96, after after we'd won at um, 
a 91 charity shield against Wigan at uh, up in Gateshead. And, um, and he, he made, didn't look out of place. Didn't look out of place at all. And he played he played six for us. Uh, I think he played in the centres. Played second row, played uh, loose forward. He did, you know, before he before obviously things happened and he went to um, he went off to Bradford. Um, his dad was a tidy little six. He really was. He grew out of it. You know, his his body was the wrong shape for it at the end. But um, you know, it, obviously the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because he's a skillful player and his dad was as well. Mm. You have to ask your dad about uh, the granddad McNamara, Ted. You might recall him from yeah, back exactly. in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Three yeah. generations of one family to play for the club is pretty special. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it, absolutely. And there's there's early indications there to suggest that Ben will go on and have a you know a very long and successful career here. He, he as I say, he looks he's matured beyond these years. Absolutely. I mean, what is he eighteen, nineteen, yeah. and yeah, he, he's just he's composed. He's assured. He doesn't do anything stupid. There's no you know hail mary passes that you know land in row C. You know none of that. He just yeah. keeps things simple. Like you say, puts his back rower over. He's reasonably strong in defence as well and. Yeah, if he keeps developing at the rate he's doing right now, then yeah, he's going to become a very good player for all. Very pleased with him. Uh, it's no surprises though that Hull FC's attack uh, hasn't been as crisp, as slick as when Josh Reynolds was playing. It obviously goes hand in hand. You know, he's a marquee player. He's a you know great player. He's going to be one of the best in Soul League this year. I think it's it's no surprises, is it? No, no, it's not. And, and you know, how can you replace that? Because what Reynolds, what Reynolds brought that first two matches was just the enthusiasm, you know. And, and you know that comes that kind of enthusiasm and, and, and knowing when to inject yourself and when not to inject yourself that comes from ten fifteen years experience of being a, a, a you know steering a team around the, the park, which you know McNamara's not going to have, you know. Very, I mean, unless you're you know Cleary, who's a, probably a once in a lifetime halfback um who can do that at the age of 22 you know there's very very few players that can do that at that young age and with McNamara you know he came through the Roosters system so he's had some really really good junior coaching um and that's possibly why he's he's kind of ready at a younger age you know because he's been through that that NRL kind of pathways system that that has been brought over here but asking him to replace a Reynolds that's a hard ask. That's a really, really hard ask. It is absolutely, but like like we say, he's done all right. He, he hasn't looked out of yeah. place or anything like that. He hasn't made many errors. Uh, he, yeah, it's just that when you compare it to a Reynolds, it's like yeah, it's, yeah. it's obviously it's you know it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? But yeah, he's done he's done well so far, and you know obviously long may that continue when he comes into the side. But on the contrary as well, we're hoping that you know this is week four That's, of yeah. Reynolds's injury. The um, the cup, obviously the league game against Wigan, then we've got the cup game. The cup game is week five, and they did say four to six weeks, so he is running yep. and training so, again, so we'd like to think he'll be back good. soon. Yeah, good. What we need to do with Ben McNamara is introduce him to uh, Peter Sterling's daughter, and hopefully that you know the, the two the two DNA lines will combine, and in about 20 years' time, we'll have the ultimate halfback. With <laughs> <laughs> a fourth-generation McNamara to play for Hull and with Peter Sterling's DNA in it as well and then actually have the ultimate halfback although that does sound like Nazi genetic engineering so I'll probably stop yeah yeah, probably bordering <laughs> some dangerous territory there <laughs> but yeah with the old performance on uh, Friday I actually used a Wigan analogy you know it wasn't pretty it was right. tough but it was the sort of yeah. fixture 
back those pies over there in the pie dome that they can grind and win virtually every week because that's what they do. They're tough, they're yeah. resilient, and they grind them yeah. out. It's not pretty, but they get the job done. And that's what all did. And again, a lot of people you said this, but they're absolutely bang on. It's another victory that we wouldn't have got this time last year. And that, that is fair. It's definitely fair to say. And I did notice Brett Hodgson he was you know, very proud of, of the defensive effort again because you think five-day turnaround after a 90-minute effort against Warrington, you know, limited time to prepare and you're putting that effort again. It's good to see because we've seen all SC sides over the past few years that, that throw the towel in a little bit when it gets tough, that, you know, don't want to know a little bit and they end up leaking loads of points. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that like you said, it was, it was a potential banana skin. And to come through it overall, although, like you say, I do want to see more with the ball. I do want to see us keep on improving as the season goes on. But I think right now, and especially with that performance and obviously the result that we got, I'm pretty content with it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and look, to win when we're not playing well, that's that's the that's the ultimate, isn't it? When when your side's playing average and you're still grinding out a result, well, you know, that's great. Because when your side does click, that's when you start getting the, the plaudits. You know, but to be to be sat here four games in and we're unbeaten, they had to take that before the start of the season. I'm sure you would too. Yeah, absolutely. In the last uh, obviously eight of the cup as, as well, with that win at furthest yeah. one. So yeah, from five games in all comps, four wins and draw. <laughs> And like you say, we're nitpicking with that draw and even a win where we've only won by six points and we're saying it could have been better. You know, that's that's not bad at all, is it? It's, you know, really good start to the season, but we will get a proper measure of all in the in the next two weeks. Uh, two really tough games in the League and Cup against yeah. Wigan and they are going to be tough. It's going to be, you know, you are going to have to roll your sleeves up there and there's going to be some, you know, really tough moments where you put, you know, you're under the cosh. You know, there's going to be a lot of adversity and I think if we do go down, it's going to be how we go down. I want to see Hull FC fight to the last minute. I don't want to see us get stuffed. I mean, the last two times we've played Wigan, we've lost 29-2 and 36-4. don't want to see any of that. Yes. If we get beat, you know, we give it a crack. We give it everything. We go down fighting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, um, under Hodgson, you'd think that we probably would. Um, we just We just look different. We look like we've got more, just just more reserves of energy. Um, and you know, looking at what pl- some of the players have been saying, you know, saying you know they're excited to defend. You know, they're excited to get the defence right. They're excited to get their their shape right. And it, a lot of it is the the transition between attack to defence. You know, if you lose the ball or whatever, or or you knock on, or, or you know, a kick doesn't go as well as you're expecting. That transition from from A to D. Um, that's where we seem to be really good this year. We, we we seem to be not scrambly as much. You know, like if something went wrong from a whole side last year, year before, you could see players' heads go down and then just trudging back to the to the line or, you know, trying to giving up on a chase and everything. No one's doing that. No one's giving up on anything. And and when we make a mistake, people are gathering round and rallying round and, and geeing the bloke who made the mistake. And uh, and, and going again, and it, it's good to see, mate. It's um, it, it's it's reminiscent of um, of Wembley at 2016, when you just you know, even though we were 10 nil down there, you, you just knew something was going on. You just knew we were up for it. And the problem with Radford was he couldn't get us up for it every week. But up to now, Hodgson has. Yeah, that's been the biggest difference on it. Obviously, yeah, that the mentality and I think the attitude are the two key words there, and they're completely different this year. Uh, even when the game was level, um, I wouldn't say I was confident that I knew a winner was coming. But obviously, you know, them blokes were. And obviously, the move to put Carlos over 
for the winning try was great. And just on Jake Connor there, you know, after throwing a pass into oh. touch, after throwing an interception where Lee Kershaw ran the length of the field to then actually have the composure to rectify his mistake and this time go short and put Carlos over for an easy try. You know, learning from your mistakes like that in the same game, I mean, I, th- I don't think that can be praised enough, you know, because it, it, it must have been yeah. so tempting just to fire a pass out and, you know, hope for the miracle ball to put to put Fremo over. But no, and he just went short this time and it, and it looked so simple. <laughs> yeah, it, it was nailed to perfection. It was brilliant and really good try to win the game. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, um, what's his name? He plays for um, the Catalans, the kid they got from um, from Penrith, um, Maloney. I remember them them talking about him saying, um, it was Gus Gould said, he said, I don't know whether he's supremely confident or thick, but he said he's one of them. Because he said, he literally, if he makes a mistake, it's gone. It's disappeared. He doesn't reminisce on it. He doesn't... Um, he doesn't beat himself up about it. He doesn't talk about it. He doesn't. He, he doesn't alter his game because of the mistake he made. He just goes out and plays what's in front of him again. And if he makes another mistake, he does it again. And if he makes another mistake, he goes out and plays what's in front of him. And there's a bit of that in Connor. You know, in that he's not going to mope if he's made a mistake. He's still going to try it. He's still going to play what's in front of him. He's still got that heads up ability to do it. And, and long may it continue, mate. Because you know. Too often, we've had a player that's maybe tried something and it's not come off, and then he's retreated into his shell, um, and then we haven't seen anything. You know, I mean, we 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 can look back at a couple of games a couple of years ago where we, you know, we we might have gone five six nil up, or, or you know, might have gone ten nil up or twelve nil up, and then we've kind of put the cue in the rack, and then when we've come back under pressure when we're maybe gone behind in the game we've got nothing there because nobody dares to to do anything expansive because they're frightened of making a mistake because of the way that we were set up to attack whereas I don't think it's like that this year I think there's a freedom in us and, and I think you know especially with Connor at fullback he's almost been told to go out and 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 do whatever he wants you know and, and just you know get the result that's a you know brilliant analogy yeah with the Maloney, Maloney point how many times do you see him in Origin throw an interception, but then yeah. next minute he's you know scoring a try, you know backing up a James Tedesco break, or he's you know putting yeah. a or a little grubber, a, yeah, a little yeah. grubber to the in goal, or a pass for Latrell Mitchell, or you know Tom Trevojevic to go over, or like yeah. I say, a kick as well. It's it's a great point, and that's what big game players do, isn't it? If they do make a mistake, yeah. Steed is like that as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Steed's like that. If he makes a mistake, it doesn't go to his head; it's completely forgotten about, and and he'll go again. And I think. It, it's such an undervalued trait in a rugby league player that because yeah. you can go into your shell. I mean, yeah, we saw you know it at what? Wembley. I think Tots need that. I, I reckon. I reckon that Wembley appearance for for Cass mm. Tots need that. Yeah, but I was going to say a lot, a lot of the old players. A lot of the old players the year before. You know, you're, you're talking about you're talking yeah. about Cass when they got beat by Leeds in 2014. The year before, we got nil by Wigan, and a lot of yes. old players probably thought the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. Great. So perhaps it was like you know, so as I say, the making of them a little bit, uh, a learning curve. I actually did watch, uh, listen to a Liam Watts interview during the first lockdown last year, and he, he did touch on the Wembley thing, and he did say it did. It was a massive learning curve for a lot of that squad, and obviously yeah. to go and to go back, you know, three and four years later and win it, it probably does. There's probably some mileage in there, you know, to say that it's like the NRL. Yeah. They say you've got to lose one before you win one, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I think it's all the sweeter when you when you have lost one, isn't it? I mean, I'd rather not lose one, but um, it makes it all the sweet. You know, 
I think I've, I've said several times in, in various blogs, you know, you can only truly appreciate success when you've ha- when you've also tasted the absolute doldrums, you know, which is why, you know, when, when Leeds have, have had a bit of a dip in the last few years, it's been hilarious to watch because, because their supporters had only known success for 15, 20 years, or if not success, success, well, then being on the fringes of success and being a contender. And that year when they finished bottom two, bottom three, whatever it was, was brilliant because they were clueless. They didn't know how to cope with it. You know, they didn't know what to do. They didn't understand. It was almost like, especially some of the younger supporters, just thought they had a kind of God-given right to be in the top four. Um, and it was it was great to see them fail. I think some of our supporters are guilty of that as well, you know. Especially after going yeah. through the, you know, the early 80s and watching all for six, seven years being at the top, you know, in, in contention to win literally every trophy available. I think even though... We nearly went bust, was in the second division for three seasons. Yeah. We've been flirting with the bottom of the Super League, mid-table of Super League, and obviously had a couple of mm. you know decent years, both in terms of playoff finishes in Super League and winning a few cups. I think some of our fans think we have a God-given right to be in that top four and to be competing every year, and it don't work out like that, does it? Again, it's all down to your, your squad's attitude to do it year on year, and that's why I have yeah. nothing but respect for your Wigan and your Saints because they've got that. You know, It doesn't matter what they win, they're still yeah. there next year. Absolutely. Yeah, especially Saints. I mean, even Wigan have had dodgy times in my time of watching football. But um, Saints have always been there and thereabouts. I can't think of a season when they haven't been right up there and, and contenders. And we, they've always been our bogey side as well, Saints. We've we've never we've never dominated Saints apart from that fantastic semi final. But um, we've we, you know we, we've we've struggled against Saints for years and years and years. Um, it's just. Um, the, yeah, the the, the 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 Saints and Wigan are, are the are the teams to emulate definitely. You know, they're they're a Melbourne Storm if you want to bring it to over here, or or a Penrith. You know, for the last couple of seasons, um, they're the team that are just. You, you always think that even if they lose, they're going to run you bloody close. They're never going to they're never going to fold. They're never going to put up shut up shop. You know, they're always going to be bloody bloody close. And that's what and, we want um, to get to. Totally. Totally, you know. But I think you know. I think I've said to you before that that kind of early to mid eighties, people do look at it with you know with fond memories. But there is an element of rose-coloured glasses. You know, we, I think I've said to you before we didn't win every game that Peter Sterling played. We didn't play fantastic football week in week out. Arthur Bunting was a great coach, but he wasn't God. You know, we still lost games, and we still lost games we should have won as well. You know, arguably Wembley eighty three for a start. But um, you know, immediately after Arthur went, we were te- we were instantly terrible. You know, eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight were some of the worst times supporting Hull I can remember before Brian Smith came and gave us a bit more self respect. But then that only lasted two, three years. You know, the board sold the team out from under Noel Cleal. Um, You know, we struggled on for a couple of years with um, uh, what's his name from Penrith, um, Roy Simmons. Yeah, Simmons, and um, you know we 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 were that nineties period. We were kind of you know we contended a little bit, but we were always mid table. It was never fantastic. And then when the game kind of went to summer football, and we found ourselves in the second division and stayed there for a few years, you know. Um, and then you know early years of Super League, not great, not great at all. We've we've underachieved for twenty twenty odd years. We really have thirty years. Um, getting on for four years, really. Um, a, a club the size of ours, 
needs more success than it's had. You know, it's a, a mark of a mark of how much we've underachieved. When you look at Great Britain squads down the years, and how underrepresented as a club Hull is, considering really how big they are. Yeah, yeah, really. And I mean, you know, you can you can look at it and you can think, well, you know, even when we were right up there. Even when we had that, that's the couple of seasons in the seat, you know, 2006, from 2005, we won Challenge Cup, 2006, we get to the grand final. You know, you still only look at it and you think, all oh, right, yeah, Horn, Yeaman, and Rayner were the only Great Britain representatives. You know, there's, it, it's, it, there's something, there's something we're not quite getting right and, and we haven't had right for a long, long time. And I don't know what it is. I, if I put my finger on it, I'd be a genius, I'd be a coach. But there's something. There's, there's something we're missing as, a, as an organisation to really kick on and make us one of the big three, the big four, you know? I, I completely agree. And if you know, if I was to put my 50p on it and try to be a know-it-all, it's two words that I've used already. It's attitude and mentality. Yeah. I look at yeah. Hull post-2017 and the recruitment for two years was absolutely abysmal. You know, losing players like Gareth Ellis, Liam Watts, obviously a, a prime, my hair for newer that left an absolute cult hero. And we didn't replace them, not adequately enough anyway. And that was that was the problem. Uh, we seem we seem to be content with success. We can win a cup and then we laugh at Rovers, right, all the time. You know, since nineteen eighty five, they haven't won a proper trophy, you know. And but we we're sort of the same a little bit. We win something, we can dine off it forever. I mean, how many how many people do you see on on the socials especially? Use Wembley as like a defence for all getting stuffed, you know, eighty ten at Wire or seventy two ten at Wakefield, yeah. whatever it was, and yeah. I, I don't care. You know, Wembley was the first Wembley win was five years ago now, and we spent. You yeah. know, we think what Adam spends on the cap, Adam Pearson. You know, I don't agree with everything yeah. he says and does, but one thing you can never ever doubt him on is his investment into the playing squad. I mean, if yes. you, if you believe him, if you take him at face value, we're right at the top end of the cap again, and there's some very yeah. good players in that squad, and quality in an issue. But I just think. The mentality and the attitude of of our club as a whole needs to go up up a step, up you know up a step a step on the ladder, and I think we are seeing that with Hodgson now, you know week in week out. The challenge there is to keep on improving and never be content, and that's that's exactly what we're gonna. Anderson Ellens, they'll they'll win something, but they won't dine off it. I mean, imagine them if they did reunion dinners like we do for everything they've won. I mean, I've been to Premiership yeah, reunion dinners. I've been to reunion dinners for the win at Cardiff. I've been to the League Championship reunion dinners. They'd be doing one every week, Wigan. Yeah, you'd, you'd go by a restaurant in Wigan and just dine off it, wouldn't you? It'd be fantastic. But yeah, you're right. You're dead right. Uh, and, and, you know, that's great. And it's lovely that we fly players over and, you know, we, we get Sterling back and we get Akoi and Lulai and O'Hara. And, you know, that's great. That 85, but that was a losing team. You know, at the end of the day, we went to Wembley and lost. And we're having reunion dinners, brilliant as they are, for a team that lost. What does that tell you about the mentality? You know? It's like Frank Bruno, you know? Um, plucky losers. We love a plucky loser. Eddie the Eagle Edwards. Do you know? Sod that. We need to be ruthless. Can you imagine if, if, if you know, as a Wigan supporter... You know, you were you were talking to a Wigan supporter and you went, oh, well, you know, you won at Wembley in 2016. That'd be great, wouldn't it? You know, five years, six years ago. They'd look at you as if you were daft. They expect and they demand excellence and continued success. You know, we've had sporadic success over 40 years and it's not good enough. For a, for a club our size, it's not good enough. It's not. And 
like I say, we just, I mean, we just mentioned, we started off this whole rant by saying, like, you know, we've got an element of our fan base that do expect, you know, top four finishes year on year on yeah. year. And, and I sort of think, like, why is that then? And I wrote a piece on this in the last but one up the cream one, issue 96. And it comes from, it comes right from the top. It comes from Adam Pearson, you know, opening that wallet and spending it on the playing squad, bringing in a Brett Hodgson, putting a Gareth Phillips in the coaching staff. And, you know, Hodgson's also said how all this defensive improvement, while they'd love to take all the credit for it, he said that Gareth Ellis has obviously played a huge role in that as well. Off yes. the field right now, we've just announced a massive academy thing with centre of excellences all over the bloody country. In in the next five to ten years, we'll start to see the, you know, the beneficiaries of that. So every, everything is set in stone now, and this is why this is where the demand for success and continued and sustained yep. success comes from because we are a massive club. Totally. Totally, but and, and look, Adam Pearson. Um, I think the issue that we've got is that yeah, he's opened his wallet, and yet yeah, he's you know right up at the top end of the cap and everything. But have, have we spent our money wisely? You know, I think that's the that's the thing. It, you know, our recruitment and retention is good, but it's not excellent, and, and that's the next stage to go to. And you know, I think I, I wrote a, a blog about being ruthless. This was a long time ago, three or four years ago, but we need to be ruthless, you know. And, and you look at it, and you know, we said last week or the week before, we were ruthless when we cut um, uh, Pritchard after one year when he'd signed a two-year contract just so we could get Albert Kelly in, and that was that. You know, that was probably proved to be the right decision because Pritchard went off and had got injuries, and Kelly starred for the club for the next three, four seasons. So we were ruthless there. Brian Smith was ruthless back in the nineties. You know, we had. Um, uh, David Lydiard playing for us. He did his shoulder. He was going to be out for three months. We deregistered him, put him back on the flight to Australia and signed Greg Mackey instead, right from under the noses of Warrington. Ruthless. And that's what we need to be. And if that means that you look at a Manu Mau who's on a lot of money and hasn't really set the world on fire last year and he's injured a lot of the time this year and he's coming to the end of his playing career, do we go, do you know what? Not offering you a... a um, um, a one-year option or a two-year option, we're going to look in a different direction because there's your difference between a team that's going to go through the roof and, and, and challenge or a team that's happy to settle for what they've already got. You're absolutely bang on the money there. I remember that blog as well. It was wrote just before the 2018 season after yeah. back-to-back obviously cut wins and it was about kicking on now and we didn't do that. We did the absolute opposite of everything you wrote. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. That's that's the problem here, and, and with Hodgson, I, I just can't see that happening. I'm not saying we're, saying we're going to win something this year, but I am confident in nailing, you know, to the max now that Hull FC will be competitive in ninety eight percent of games. You're in, you know, they will be, they'll never go down. They'll always be fighting. They're always going to be in the contest. You know, win, lose, or draw, and if we get that, that's the first step in it. You build that. You build that attitude, that mentality within the club, where you you know never never going to throw the towel, and you're always going to be there. Like a nuisance, a sodding wigging, because that's exactly what they are. They're a yeah, nuisance. They're a exactly pain right. in the bloody ass. They yeah, never go they, away. When they, lose a, when they lose a player, they replace him with someone better. Exactly. Simple as. I mean, yeah. you know, or if they've got a kid coming through who they think is potentially better than the one that they've got, they let the one that they've got go and they trust the kid. They replace players that they've lost with someone equal or better. Never worse. You can't look at a player that's gone from Wigan and gone on to better things, and the player that they've replaced him with has been awful. You just can't see it. Now, you see, that's where Leeds have gone wrong. 
recently because when you know they had a once in a lifetime crop of players come through all at the same time who all retired around you know within one or two years and have been replaced by dog shit really you know i mean i had a massive argument with a lead supporter last year year before on twitter and just said you know you you don't realize how far your stocks have fallen especially in australia you know when when they signed um oh bloody hell what's his name the hooker daft name um Sagiaro, Badoros. Yes, Sagiaro. Um, and, you know, they're treating pretty badly. And when he got over there, the house that he was supposed to be living in wasn't ready. And, and he had to room with one of the other players. Why, you know, and um, he didn't get on with the other player. And, you know, he, he felt like he was treated pretty badly. And he, he tried to get out of the contract. And he did get out of the contract. And when he came back over here, he was like, don't go. He was saying to everyone that, listen, don't go to Leeds. It's a basket case. Don't go to Leeds. And, you know, whether they like to hear it or not as a club, um, you know, that kind of stuff, if you throw enough mud like that, some sticks. And you got players over here going, oh, well, you know, I'd love to go to Leeds, but, you know, James Sagiara said they're trying pretty bloody awfully. They said it was pretty, pretty terrible, you know. And then, and then, you know, it just means that you're not attracting a player the calibre of Josh Reynolds. You're attracting... Ava Sam Fangai or whatever, you know, you, you, you're playing, you're attracting, you're attracting um, fringe players rather than first grade superstars. And then players are going, players are retiring, and you're replacing them with people that are equal or less rather than equal or better. And that's what's happening with Leeds at the moment. They're just in that kind of, they're in that, that whirlpool of good one week, bad the next, good one week, bad the next. Well beaters, terrible. You know, I mean, Rovers aren't any great shakes, and they made Leeds look bloody awful this week. Leeds were bad, but Rovers made them look bad. Um, yeah, not not good at all. And and they've fallen into that thing that we probably got kind of early 2010s, you know, and, and, and possibly 2018-19. Players left and we, we replaced them with players that weren't as good. I would 100% agree with that, especially with the latter. I mean, we just said it, haven't we? We, we? we replaced players that were at the top of their game in Gareth Ellis and Liam Watts with players that sadly yeah. went on that same pedestal. And unfortunately, that, that was the yeah. case with our recruitment. Whereas now, yeah. I mean, if you look at your like for like replacements, you, the best analogy I can use, the best example I can use, sorry, is uh, Andrea Sevilla. He is a like for, yeah. I know he's already in the squad last year, don't get me wrong, I'm the year before, but. He's took yeah. Josh Jones's eleven shirt, and that is an upgrade because we didn't see the best of Josh Jones in a whole FC shirt. Whereas yeah. Andre Sevilla, is since the back end of last season, has been nothing short of incredible. Absolutely, I mean, look, you couldn't, you couldn't. It would have taken a brave um, manager to look at Josh Jones and and, and know that that was going to happen. He just didn't settle. You know, his attitude was all over the place, um, and it looks to me very much like we uh, we betrayed the no dickheads rule. You know, with with Josh Jones, um, but you know, a current Great Britain international. You know, when was the last time we signed a current Great Britain international? Unfortunately, we signed the wrong bloody one. That's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just it, it's it's about our recruitment and it's about really getting the right players to to kick on now. And you know, there's in the NRL, there's a lot of players off contract next year, a lot of players, and. Um, It'll be interesting to see if we do go into that market, if we do cut a mow loose, or you know we don't we don't increase um, or we don't um, we don't renew a satire or a sow, or uh, you know it'd be interesting to see which which direction we go in. I think absolutely. I think 
as well with the players that we've got out of contract this year. And this is this is really interesting, I think. You've got two wingers right now, Brett Freema, Adam Swift, both out, both out of contract at the end of the year. When Hodgson came in, he was touting outside backs. He wanted to bring an addition in. He ended up uh, settling on the Fijian, Mitch. Yep, definitely going yeah. with Mitch. Uh, after nailing the pronunciation last, last week, I ain't going downhill for me, so we're just going to leave it at Mitch for the foreseeable. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I had a really good analogy sent by my mate Tim, who has been writing for Up the Crane the past few months. And he, he actually said Swift offers as close to other wingers in the comp more than a Freema and a Fenua. I mean, you look at a Freema and a Fenua, for all how good they are going forward, they're not deadly. You know, they're not a Tommy Makinson no. and a Tom Johnston. Adam Swift is no. the closest thing we've got to that way. If you give him a, you'll give him an inch, he'll take a yard. He is yeah. he's, he's quick off his feet. His attitude seems to be absolutely bob on. I thought his, his interview yeah. as well on, on the Sky post-match was great. Again, he's an articulate yeah. bloke. He knows his stuff. It, it was just a great analogy that he used. I'm hoping that he'll publish the full thing and up the cream and make an article out of it because it was absolutely, you know, really good, really insightful. And, and Swift yeah. has been great. He's played all the four league games so far. And he, he hasn't took a backward step, you know. He brings energy to yeah. the side. He's, he's making metres for fun. But when he does get these chances, I mean, they are bomb. You know, Sneed put that little chip to the corner. Mm. You know, he looked like a salmon to take that, didn't he? And when he gets yeah. his opportunities, I yeah. think he will be much more deadly than the options we've got right now. Yeah, and, and the other thing as well is that, you know, as much as I like Farima, and I, and I do like Farima... Him and Fenura are basically the same player. It, yeah, when we signed Fremo, it was literally a like-for-like replacement, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it, it was. It was a like-for-like replacement, and then we went and signed, signed Fenua back, arguably just because we didn't want anyone else to get him. So I mean, you know, they're the same player. So I mean, do we do we need two of them? Do we? I don't know. Um, and, and I like Fremo, I really do, and I like his work ethic, and I don't think, you know. I, I, if you, it, it would really be a knife-edge decision to me if they were both off contract at the same time. It would be a knife-edge decision for me which one I'd keep. However, they're not both off contract at the same time. Farimo's off contract a year before Fenua. So does that mean we're stuck with Fenua? I, I, I don't know. And I don't want to say we're stuck with Fenua because on form, Fenua's unstoppable. But he's not on form. So yeah, it, it's a it's a really hard one. It's 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 a. It's um, it's not a decision that that I'd like to have to make, and unfortunately, someone's going to have to make it. Yeah, it is a tough one. I, I'm I'm with you. I really do like Freema. I really, I, you know, exit sets is absolutely brilliant going forward. He's a wrecking ball. But if Hodgson wants a different direction in his wingers, and he wants them to become deadly, i.e., a Tommy Makinson, yeah. even a Regan Grace, uh, like you say, a Tom yeah. Johnston, then it's that it's it's your Adam Swift type winger that he's going to want, and it'd be interesting to see. If uh, the Fijian winger can be that as well, you know, when he gets an opportunity. But I'm going to say that we've always talked about, you know, in this segment of the podcast about, you know, adapting as a club, evolving and ruthlessness. It wouldn't surprise me if Freema does go at the end of the year and that will upset a lot of fans, probably me included. Because, like I said, I do like him, but I could just see the club being a little bit ruthless there. Maybe I'll be, you know, maybe I'll be proved wrong as the year goes year goes on and maybe Fremo's performance will, will, will suggest, hang on a minute, you can't get rid of me. But yeah, I think right yeah. now, I think Hodgson wants a different type of winger and, and that I think that is probably the best example we're going to get of what we've just yeah. talked about, about the club being ruthless. At the end of the day, um, Brett Hodgson has only brought one player in, right? 
um, with Josh Reynolds. It's not his squad. He's still operating under Radford's squad, really. Um, so therefore, he's trying to get the best out of players that he probably wouldn't have. He, would, he probably wouldn't have picked himself. Now, obviously, look, he's done his homework. When he's come to the club, he knows what he's dealing with. He knows what he's coming into and all the rest of it, and that's fine. The, the point is that if we have got some players out of contract at the end of this year, what better way to stamp your authority and to, and to really bring out the, the attacking flair and the defensive steel you want as a coach than bringing your own players in? And you've got to say, up to now... He hasn't really put a foot wrong as a coach. The big test is in recruitment and recruiting wholesale changes. You know, um, I'd be very interested to see what our um, what our business looks like June onwards, um, because I think we might we might spring a few surprises. There's some big names and there's some really good journeyman footballers that would do a job in Super League coming available at the end of this NRL season, and I'd be. I'd be surprised if he doesn't make a move for a couple of people that he's worked with before or that he knows their reputation of. And I'd really like to see, for a change, a whole team go out and really recruit the best of British as well. You know, we should be we should be knocking on doors saying we're on this, you know, we're a top four side. Come along with us, be the cream on top of our cake, you know, be be the cherry on top. You know, and and you know, someone like a Tom Johnson at, at Wakefield, you know, he's he's always going to be, um, you know, a single white tooth in a in a mouthful of fillings. You know, at, at Wakefield, he always is. Imagine how many tries he'd score with a Carlos Tumavave inside him. You know, or a, you know, if he went to Wigan, how many tries would he score there? You know, it'd be it'd be a thirty try a season winger. He really would. Um, we should be beating a path to people like that's doors and saying we are we are the team that are going to take you there to, to absolute superstardom. No, I agree. And that's going to be so, so interesting as the year unfolds uh, to see what direction Hodgson goes, as we say, with yeah. players who returns and obviously new players that come to the club and the direction he wants to go. I mean, it's interesting. We, we, single, we single out big names and say, oh yeah, imagine how good this English superstar would be or yeah. this NRL stalwart would be. But then you get players like Joe Cater who come from absolutely nowhere, and yeah, that signing—that signing had no fanfare whatsoever. People were like, okay, yeah. squad filler, blah blah blah. He's one of the best players in the team. He's one of the first names on the yeah. team sheet. He, it doesn't absolutely. matter where he is if he, if he starts or if he comes off the bench. He's just phenomenal every single week. Yeah, I mean, when he scored, uh, sorry, when he when he when he signed, um, it was um, it was almost you know he was the last he was the last player to sign on, wasn't he? And it, yeah. like you say, it was very much an afterthought. He was the last player to sign on start last season. And um, and when he came, he just went, oh, that's nice. You know, he's coming back to his home team and everything. He's a squad player. You know, and, and that's literally the way that you thought about it, isn't it? You know, it's, it's you're right. He's, he's been an absolute revelation. He really has. Same with Jordan Lane. Uh, if yes. you're going down the homegrown route, which obviously in, in a decade, maybe half a decade to a decade's time, he's, he's hopefully going to, come to fruition with what we've seen in the academy announcements so far this year. Well, Jordan Lane's coming. He is, to say he's just a Super League player is probably unfair. He is a very good Super League player now. Uh, yeah. Very intelligent, runs great lines. Again, I thought he was solid uh, against Wakefield. It was, yeah. Obviously, we saw the the finesse and the line-breaking ability last week against Warrington, but against Wakefield, he, he, we saw the tough side of his game. Every carry he made was you know, really tough and 
think to still top the 100 metre count in those circumstances is pretty impressive. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, there's, there's, there's a few stories like that, you know. Um, you know, you'd like to think, you know, Brown could kick on. Yeah. Um, you'd like to think that Cam Scott would kick on. Um, you know, there's, there's there's a few others that, you know, that, that you look at and think, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a chance for you to, to really make a name for yourself here. And, you know, what, what you're really looking for is, is in, you know, a couple of years' time when Carlos Tumavave is... is mid 30s and and going that we can with absolute you know confidence look at a young kid coming through and just go no it's okay it's all right it's okay we've got another one we've got one that's just as good and that's what we need to that's what we need to concentrate on because griffin and tomb of ave as good as they are now i've probably got another two years in them one two years in them before they start to drop off quality wise and you know we need to we need to make sure that we have a succession plan there and that's the interesting thing and that's what um, he's really got to deal with this Hodgson. Yeah, absolutely, and it it will be fascinating to see how it all evolves, to see to see how we can evolve as a club over the next few years, and let's just hope it pans out like that. Um, well, you know what? I think he's doing it already because you know Scott Taylor's our pack leader, mm-hmm. right? And he has been for years and years and years. This year, there's been that just that little subtle change where he, he started Chris Satai a couple of games. Yeah. You know, Liggy Sow is starting games, and you know maybe Taylor's on the bench a couple couple of weeks, and he's, he's starting a couple of weeks. There's just been that little subtle change where you, you're saying to players, you know, if you if you want to go, get a go. You know, you, you're gonna you show me you're good enough, then then you're there. And and there's a bit of a subtle change there. I wouldn't have thought. I don't think that Radford would have started Chris Satay ahead of ahead of Scott Taylor ever, ever. Um, but I think it, it really shows the measure of, of Hodgson as a coach that the psychological thing of doing that, never mind the tactical thing of doing it, it is a really interesting move. Um, and I think it shows that we are planning for the future and we are looking at, at some succession planning, which is what Wigan and St. Helens and, and the best teams in the world do, you know, and, and Melbourne, you know. Mm. Yeah, and obviously Saturday has started like an house on fire and, the way Hull, yeah. obviously Hodgson's using him right now compared to what Radford and last year used him last year is yeah. you know, there's no comparison between the two, is there? And yeah. He's yeah, he's been phenomenal. Um two moments of controversy. The, the Mason Lino try I think we've we've mentioned a little bit, but being on the deck and, and somehow managing to get him back on side, I'd love to see the rule book there. I mean, obviously a mm. twenty twenty one rule book because it changes that bloody often and there was the Beretta Fremo hit as well, which got a sim bin, and I'm pretty sure Monday evening UK time we're going to see a, a real annoying uh, announcement from the RFL that's been banned for two games because we know the score there, don't we? And I don't think there was anything in it. It only looked bad when the bloody sky cameras freeze-framed it second by second. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was there was contact with the head, um, but you can say that it, was, it wasn't reckless. Um you know, there's been there's been exactly the same happen over here as well at the weekend. There was a player sin binned and it was a head clash. You know, he didn't even touch him with his bloody shoulder. Um, unfortunately, it's not a good look. And you know, you'd think that again because it was live on Sky, that they tend to they tend to make a bit more of a of an example of those ones because they're a little bit higher profile. You know, maybe Fremo misses a week and we bring 
we bring Fanua straight back in. The nice thing is, because because you've got a like for like replacement, you hopefully won't drop too much if we do lose him for a week. So, of all the players to for that to happen to, you know, it's probably less impactful for us as a squad than it is for Ema because we have got a ready made replacement sitting in the reserves. Still frustrating though, because totally, I know we we totally. we say how good the the concussion stuff is in rugby league right now, and it is it is mm. brilliant the way we do look after our players, but. I just thought that was a good side hit. At the end of the day, it's still a tough physical sport. And yeah. 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 I don't want to dive deep, deep too much into it. But if, if we're going to go down that road, then you're going to be binning players every week. Because how many times do you see you know, solid hits where, okay, a shoulder might touch the head a little bit or or, or yeah. a face. But it's that's what it is. It's a physical collision contact sport. You're going to, yeah. you're going to get that yeah. from time to time. But yeah. The, the other thing is as well, mate, is that Farimo has got form, hasn't he? He's been sent off a couple of times before for that. So yeah, the one straight away. Yeah, 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 and and against Rovers as well, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, the one at Featherstone yeah. I agreed with. I thought the one at Rovers was a joke. Yes, but again, it puts that doubt in the in the um, referee's mind. It does. You're and right. Straight, yeah, straight does. away he goes, "Oh, it's him again." Yeah, like, like he's got form, like Gareth yeah. Hock on it, Panther Man villain. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely yeah. bang on there. Uh, yeah. NRL then. Um, <laughs> there's only one place to start there isn't it and that was the absolute <laughs> thriller that was the Gold Coast Titans versus the South Sydney Rabbitohs what a bloody game that was mental game yeah stupid game I mean and we seem to have one every week um, and again <laughs> you know, oh, what can you say about the bunnies I mean that's twice that's two weeks that they've got out of jail now running the Titans will be really upset with this one really upset because they had that game won and the Bunnies looked like a rabble at halftime um, you know David Fafita scoring the first half hat-trick um, that incredible try from their own line when Corey Thompson went three quarters the length of the field and offloaded to the halfback and the halfback went in unbelievable and, and they looked really good value for, the, for their lead at halftime and then the Bunnies just kicked into gear and, and Benji Marshall turns back the clock again you know two tries um, three try assists or whatever it was, it was just ridiculous. You know, you can't. There's, there's nothing else you can say. He's just absolutely freakish. He's just one of those once in a generation players, isn't he? He's been yeah, but, absolutely but mate, incredible. He's two generations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was it twenty? Was it seventeen years now? Was a professional rugby league player? Yeah. <laughs> That's not. Yeah, I saw him. I saw him. He debuted when I first got over it, two thousand and three. He debuted just the the year that the Panthers won the comp, two thousand and three. He debuted that year, right? And then two thousand and the end of that season, there was the World Nines. It was the last time the World Nines was properly played for, and he captained the Tigers team in the World Nines in the close season, two thousand and four. And then he he kind of. He was on the often on the bench two thousand and four, and he was a schoolboy, you know, literally. And then two thousand and five, they paired him with um, with Scott Prince and, and Wushka, you know, just ridiculous, um, and and just the, the best player you've ever seen in your life. Just yeah, a scary, scary player. And elsewhere on the cab, then if we're going to go down the halfback route. On actual Anzac Day, uh, Sam Walker for Sydney Roosters, and he's got English heritage, Annie. Uh, Sean Wayne, yes, give him a call, mate. Because wow, you know what a player he's. 
throwing Paul Cook-like passes to the edges, you know, yeah. spiralling it out like it's nothing. And yeah. try assist Galore, yeah. get himself a try as well. <laughs> what a player he yeah, is. Yeah, and he's brave, mate. He's brave. He, he doesn't mind going in where, where the boots are flying and, and where people might take his head off. And he's a goal kicker. Um, and, and, you know, he's a kid. He's 19 years old. He's a child. Um, yeah, he just, you know, it's, it's, it, the old adage, I suppose, is if you're good enough, if you're old enough, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And, and he's certainly good enough. You know, the, the Roosters, you'd, you'd really think that with Kerry out for the season, they'd, they'd be they'd be on the wane, you know. But um, they're, an out, they're a good outside bet for the comp this year, I think. Even, even with all of their well-publicised injuries and even with the two Morris boys, Practically playing on Zimmer Zimmer frames, you know, thirty five each or whatever they are now. Um, mate, the, the the sprinkling of youth they've got in that team, they've just they're carrying the old guys around, and it, and it's amazing to watch. It really is. It's very interesting. Nice to see as well after splashing the big bucks to get your likes of James Tedesco's at the club, and obviously Luke Carey's from South. So it's nice to actually see them bring through some of their own as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, Hutchison um, Walker. Uh, ben Marshkey at Hooker, you know, Lindsay Collins, they're, they're all kids, do you know? Victor Radley, he, you know, he's, he's still in his early 20s. Sam Verrill's in his early 20s. You know, Nat Butcher. Um, they're, 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 all, they're all kids and they've all come through the system. Um, it's, it's good to say, I mean, you know, everyone hates the Roosters over here, the, the, the team, you know, you love to hate them and Manly. And, um, but the, uh, the you can't fault what they did on on Sunday night. They were they were incredible. Yeah, as for Manly, they stuffed uh, your mob oh, West Tigers, didn't it. they? <laughs> Moving on, Penrith, Parramatta, two good wins. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I got I got um, forcibly removed from a couple of Twitter threads <laughs> during and after the game. Uh, I, I, you know, because it was Anzac Day, I did say it's a good job that Madge Maguire wasn't in charge of troops in Papua New Guinea in 1942. Otherwise, we'd all be talking Japanese now, which got me removed from a West Tigers fan forum pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> admittedly, Anzac Day, probably not the right time to uh, make a talking Japanese joke, but there you go. I'll stick by it. Um, yeah, Penrith look good. <laughs> they look very good against the Knights. The Knights blowing hot and cold this year you know they're either on or they're off there's no in between with the Knights but uh, yeah um, again Luai and, uh, and and Cleary just just insanely good yeah absolutely um, I thought Ponga was good at the back for Newcastle but in, in the Parramatta game I was disappointed with Brisbane I thought after showing up really well against Penrith the week before and obviously yeah. my dad was buzzing it was his birthday yeah. on Sunday as well, so yeah, he got a little you know birthday when he was buzzing with that. But I expected a little bit more from Brisbane. I know the game was up in Darwin. It's obviously humid and boring. Oh, on it was insane. Play a game in Darwin for God's sake. It was like it was you know seven o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night, and it was still thirty odd degrees and eighty percent humidity. The ball would have been like a bar of soap. Um, yeah, ridiculous. But um, yeah, the Eels look very good. Actually, they, they're um, they're a good team. When they get on a roll, deals are very difficult to stop. Um, it's it's getting them on the roll that's the problem. You know, they they need to dominate the team in the first ten minutes, and then they're unstoppable. If if someone asks questions of an eels team early, they don't seem to have many answers. Um, the eels need to to make a good start week in week out. I mean, the team that 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 are disappointing me this year more than any of the Raiders. Um, you know, they they were very, very good 
in in patches. That first half, uh, you know, they're the going at half time up, and uh, you know, twenty four twelve up at half time, and, and look like they're look like they're they're absolutely cruising against the Cowboys, and the Cowboys just absolutely spanked them second half, absolutely. And um, although one of the tries for the Cowboys, you could have said that the kick, you know, that the chaser was was marginally ahead of the of the kicker. You're splitting hairs there. That the point is that the Cowboys shouldn't have even been within striking distance to a Raiders team that, that should on paper are a lot better than them. You know, you can't you can't blame it on one decision. The, the Raiders should have put them to bed long time before that happened. Yeah, I think that that's fair as well. And another surprise was probably uh, Canterbury getting their first win of the year. They're the last team to obviously get off the mark, uh, they're beating Cronella. Yeah, um things aren't good uh, at Cronulla at the moment after they got rid of um, they got rid of uh, John Morris although you know I mean the Bulldogs were 18 nil up at half time the Sharks came back and and you know towards the end there they were looking like they were they were finishing stronger but um, you know the, the Bulldogs held them out didn't score second half the Bulldogs um, the um, yeah they're, they're a strange team the Sharks um, they're either they're either on or they're off um, and you know Aaron Woods um, he's done nothing since he left the Tigers. I honestly thought he was going to be a once in a generation prop, and he's gone backwards. Um, you know, they're, they're flattered to deceive a little bit. The the Sharks they've got an aging backline. You know, Dugan and and uh, and some of the others just you know not not brilliant. You know, Sean Johnson made his comeback from injury. He wasn't great. Chad Townsend's going to the um, the Cowboys next year, and he played like he was ready to leave now. <laughs> never mind next year. Um, and you know, the Bulldogs aren't any great shakes at all. They're really not. Um, they're one to seventeen. You you'd be struggling to put any of their players in another team. You know, it's not going to be many. There's not going to be many of those. Um, of those. Uh, players that other teams are casting a, an eye at and going, oh, I wish we had him. Do you know, that's simple as. Yeah. Uh, Melbourne obviously got their yeah. expected win, didn't they? Just going for the card against uh, New Zealand mm. Warriors. Uh, no shocks yeah. there. I think they're obviously, no. you know, we know the score with them, don't they? They're going to be in amongst the thick of the action this year as they are pretty much every other year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at the, um, you look at the ladder, I mean, you know, Panthers unbeaten. Um, Eels have only lost one. Rabbits have only lost one. Storm have lost two, but they're looking ominous where they're, where they're sitting. You know they're going to finish top four. You'd think. Mm. Um, Roosters are Roosters are right up there as well. You know Raiders clinging on to eighth. They need to improve and they need to improve quickly. Um, you know there's a glut of teams there on six points from seventh right down to twelfth from Titans to Cowboys all on six points who'd have thought that the Raiders would be level on points with the Sea Eagles and the Cowboys well not you know, like I mean, you say, a few weeks ago when Manly were non from four yeah and suddenly they're they're you know the three the three from seven yeah and the Tigers I mean I honestly think wooden spoon it's only that the the Broncos and the Bulldogs are dross as well that were not <laughs> that were not already that were not already but um, you know the Bulldogs winning and the Broncos you know looking like they could put a couple of results together at some point this season because they're not a bad team and he'll get them he'll get them going will will their coach um I, I can't say the same about the tags i think we're we're nailed on wooden spooners at the moment mm. it must be a 
a bit of salt in the wound as well. I don't, I don't want to do any Penrith and Cleary related digs this week because I know it's a little bit raw, mate, and I don't want to upset you, but we all go through these times, don't we? I mean, we I mean, don't forget it wasn't so long ago that Penrith had that awful season in 2019 where they finished like 11th or something when you were the tip to yeah. make the grand final. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So things just, can still it just change. Seems to come a little bit, just seems to come a bit late from, doesn't it? It's simple as. Um, it took them an extra year or two to, to get every, all of those kids on the pitch together. Yeah. But, you know, they're the youngest, they're the youngest squad in the, in the NRL and unbeaten. You know, and I think they've only lost what? They've lost, lost one league game since the start of last season. One league game and a finals game, and that's it. That's all they've lost in it's, a season and a half. It's incredible, maybe. that. It's, that's stupid. Yeah, yeah. it's stupidly good. Yeah. Just hopefully they can carry it on and obviously perform when it matters most this year, which hopefully they will, especially from my standpoint. Yeah, the mighty Penrith Panthers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to finish then, as always, our Hull FC NRL connections, and we're going to stick yes. with teams that don't exist anymore, and this is your time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I thought we'd go North Sydney Bears. Right. Right. So, I mean, the most recent one, Marco Mealy. What a player he was. <laughs> what a player he was. You know, um, we had we had some really good times with Marco Mealy. He, he had one season with them in their last year of being um, a, a franchise, 99, um, when they then they became the um, Northern Eagles. And then off he went to the Bulldogs after that, and then to the Roosters, and then to us, um, and then to retirement. So um, he did uh, he did one season for him. Did did Mark O'Malley, and he was uh, a good player, a good player all round. Uh, other than that, we've got to go back a little bit. Craig Wilson, Pod, as he was nicknamed, he was one of the players that came across, uh, came down from Gateshead, um, and, and a very very good second rower as well. He he. Uh, he had a, a season in the ARL for uh, North Sydney Bears because they were one of the teams that didn't go Super League, the Bears. Um, Ivan Cleary had a, a season or two at, uh, at the Bears as well, actually, strangely enough. Mm. Um, just looking down the list, Jeff Doyle. Remember Jeff Doyle? That a bit before your time. A bit before my time, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good good forward, Jeff Doyle. Very good forward. And, of course, the... Uh, we're getting into some nice players now when we're talking about Fred Akoy. Oh yes, Fred Akoy, who was a who was a fantastic five eighth and uh, and was the player that Arthur Bunting wanted um, above all of them, but couldn't get him because he'd mm. re-signed with North Sydney Bears. Um, when Arthur went out and did that round the world signing spree in the early eighties, and he got Kemble and O'Hara and Lulai. The, the missing part of the puzzle he always thought was Fred Akoy and he couldn't get him at the time because, like I said, he'd, he'd re-signed with, with North Sydney Bears. And we did get him later and we arguably we probably got him a year or two late, but uh, on his day, an absolute superstar of a player. It really, really, really was. And, um, you know, for, for punching Len Casey in the nose alone, he gets <laughs> he gets my vote for probably one of the best Kiwis that's ever ever played for, uh, played for Hull. Best Other tough. than that... So, oh, great Tash, yeah. Uh, looked like my dad in the 80s, actually. Like a cross between my dad and Freddie Mercury. Um, so, um, uh, other, other players, Scott Gale, um, who came to Hull in the late 80s, early 90s, and had a couple of, a couple of stints with us, actually, did, uh, did Scott Gale, um, and ended up back at Balmain and uh, died of Merton Urine disease, actually. Um, one of the first things I did as an employee of Balmain Leeds Club was... Um, 
was whack the bar at his at his um as work unfortunately because um, he'd uh, he died just as I as I got the job there uh, I don't think it was uh, connected but there you go and um, Paul McCaffrey as well scorer of that try if you remember you know what I'm Wigan. talking about yeah. we, beat, we beat Wigan in 88 87-88 uh, um, yeah it was him on the uh, on the end of that move um, Gary Pierce that brought through wasn't it Gary Pierce got the ball from a standing start in ankle deep mud made three amazing sidesteps basically whilst still standing still and then accelerated away as 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 much as he could because he was a big lad was gary pierce and um yeah uh, we had a couple of players in support and the ball finally found its way at paul mccaffrey and we ended up winning that game which was just an incredible result for us absolutely incredible and that's more or less it or when portlock as well <laughs> jesus when portlock um he um he played for Hull um ninety I mean ninety two, I think. Didn't do a lot for us. Um but uh, yeah, he was he was kind of like our replacement for Greg Mackey when Greg Mackey went and he wasn't uh, he wasn't great shakes <laughs> to say the least. Um but yeah, we had we had we had uh, Wayne Portlock for a season or two as well. So uh, as much as I can see, I'm sure there are others, but um, yeah, as much as I can see, they're the ones. Yeah, brilliant. Um, always a tough job, as we say, following on the footsteps of a player. Like we look at, obviously, McNamara stepping in right now for Josh Reynolds. Well, Paul Wayne Portlock stepping in for Greg Mackey, obviously, after what happened at Old Trafford in 91 is, uh, is a feat in itself. Great little player he was. Uh, obviously, that image with Lee Jackson holding the Premiership Trophy. Above his head, screaming, you effing beauty. <laughs> yes. He's obviously synonymous with Do you know, there's a player, there's a player who understood. He understood that we'd gone through a period where we'd won bugger all, and he knew what it meant to us. Mm. And unfortunately, we should have kicked on. But again, you know, that the, the board sold that team from underneath Noel Clayle. And arguably Noel Cleal wasn't a fantastic coach either but um yeah you know that that was a real missed opportunity there we asked it stripped stripped the club because we were skin and um you know it might have led to the club continuing and not living beyond its means but it also meant that you know a real opportunity to build on success was lost the lessons of history hey yeah that's just all picking Get things right this year with uh, Bradford. Keep on improving, which obviously we're seeing week by week now. And you know who knows what will happen if we can, if he can go down the dynasty territory and create something special at Hull FC. Yeah, let's hope. Hi, right, mate. Well, as always, thanks for your time and all the best. Thanks, mate.